I won't keep you long tonight. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible said there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word tonight. I want to thank you for the good singing, the testimonies. Lord, thank you for every testimony tonight and this morning. Lord, how it encouraged our hearts. And Lord, thank you that we have a church where people can and still have something good to get up and say and encourage the brethren. Lord, I thank you for the soul that was saved today. Thank you for the special offering that people gave tonight. Lord, I ask you to bless them. And Lord, bless the offering, bless the camp. Lord, I ask you to bless Brother Williams. And Lord, I pray you'll be with Brother Sam and Lord Brother Chris this Wednesday night here. Bless the service. And may the will of God be done. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention uh, to this text here in just a moment. And I want to preach on a subject that I think seldom is, is probably dealt with and probably for the most part because it's been taken for granted. I know I have many times uh, uh, down through the years, but I think it's relevant and important uh, in the hour that we're living in tonight. And I want to mention that here in just a moment. But I want you to notice with me in this text here that there are seven ones in this passage here. Notice the Bible said there is one body, that is the church. And there's one spirit, that is the comforter. There is one hope of your calling, that, that's the coming of our King. Amen. There's one Lord, that's the Christ. And one faith, the credentials. And one baptism, that's the confession and then one God and that is the creator of this world. Amen. And so there's seven ones here that prove uh, uh, the unity of our faith uh, as believers. Amen. And when you think about this unity tonight in verse number four it talks about the functional uh, the function of this unity as it says here that there's one body and there is one spirit. We are the body, the church the, the bride of Christ but we know that it is the spirit of God that works through that body, amen? And when you think about that diversity of life that is in the church, I mean, we're one body, but yet God uses many. He brings all different people from all walks of life to make up this one body, the diversity of this life. But, but it's not just the diversity of it, but the divinity of this life and how that it's the Holy Spirit that operates and works. We, we know tonight that the church, we ourselves, within ourselves, we're nothing. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, we can't function without the unction. Amen? And so it takes the Holy Ghost to work in us and, and to work through us. And, and so there's the function of this unity. And then there's the fundamental uh, uh, mentals of this unity here. Uh, one hope of your calling simply says that I'm seeking, I'm looking for the Lord to come back. Uh, one Lord says that I'm saved. I'm telling you, when Jesus uh, 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 saves you, he's not only your Savior, but he's your Lord. Amen? He's your master. Uh, one faith says that I am sure. And one baptism says that I am separated. That now I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm one of his disciples. So there's the function of this unity. There's the fundamentals of this unity. And then there's the family in this unity. The Bible said in verse number, five, verse number six that there is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now think about the family here. This 
family unity. I mean, listen, we're not blood kin tonight as far as this world. Most of us are not blood kin tonight. I'll tell you, we do have a bloodline that brings us together and it's not the blood that flows in our veins, but it's the blood that's been applied to our life. Amen? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins and the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 said that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sins. Amen? I'm telling you tonight, what brings us together is the blood of Christ. We are born into one family. We've been washed in one blood. We've been sealed by one spirit and thank God we have one hope and one calling. We have one faith tonight and it brings us together. And when we think about the family unity in this verse here, you know where it's found? It's found in that word all. Amen. Notice that word all in verse number six. It's mentioned four times. Amen. The family unity is seen in that word all here. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says one God and Father of all. Amen. That's the scope of his parenting. Amen. You see tonight, God claims every one of his children. Amen. I'm telling you, if you've been saved and born again and you're a child of God, God claims every one of us. He don't leave us. He don't forsake us. He don't abandon us. But there's one scope of his parenting and that is that God claims all of his children. Amen of all. And then notice he said here that it's above all. Who is above all? That's the strength of his power. He is above all. And then there's the steadfastness of his purpose. He is through all, the Bible says. And then there's the security in his presence that he's in you all. You see, if you're saved tonight, the Holy Spirit indwells you and he lives inside of you just like he lives inside of me. I'm telling you, the believer tonight is sealed with the promise of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And it brings us these things, these seven things. You know what they do? They're fundamental things. And they bring us together tonight. You think about the crowd that's sitting here. Had it not been for one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, one hope of our calling tonight, one body, the church, one spirit, we would have never crossed paths in this life. You know what? The, the fundamentals of the faith has united us tonight. But we're living in a time, Psalms 133 and verse 1 said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And thank God for unity tonight in the house of God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, you can read it right there above our text. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to keep unity because the fundamentals is what unifies us tonight. But yet we're living in a time when, listen, they will to tear down of the fundamentals of the faith. Amen. They want to tear down the walls. They want us to remove the barriers. They want us to blend our beliefs and ignore our convictions and our principles. It's become a day when it's been accepted and both popular to say nothing, to do nothing, and to believe nothing tonight. Fundamentalism has always been under attack, but it's more under attack tonight than it ever has been. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on why I'm still a fundamentalist. Why I'm still a fundamentalist. 
And I want to ask you this question tonight. I ask the youth group. I ask the young people. I ask the middle age. I ask the elderly that's here tonight. Are you a fundamentalist? People like to make fun of fundamentalists, don't they? I refuse to drink the Kool-Aid tonight. I refuse to, to roll over and give in and blend in. I refuse tonight to, uh, to just go with the flow and, and just be, uh, go along with everything uh, that's being accepted today. You say, why? Because there's some fundamentals here that we've read that has brought the church together. They're our foundation. They're who we are. They're what we believe. They're what keeps us together. And I am a fundamentalist. Uh, I have been one for years, and by the grace of God, I'm not one by choice. I am one by conviction tonight. Are you a fundamentalist? Why? You say, preacher, why would you? I, let me just take a moment before I give you this quick sermon and let me just uh, talk for just a minute about the definition of fundamentalism tonight. What is? You know, I looked this up just for, just for grins. I thought, why not ask the internet what a fundamentalist is? I was interested to see what they, uh, you know, what uh, Al Gore had to say about it, you know. He invented the internet, he said, and so, uh, uh, you know, but uh, I believe that about like I believe Joe Biden won the election, amen. Uh, but, you know, what is a fundamentalist? I looked it up, and this is what the internet said a fundamentalist is. A person who believes in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture in a religion. So it brought me to another question. What does fundamentalism mean in what does fundamentalism mean in Christianity? This is what the internet said it meant. The belief that every word of the Bible is divinely inspired and therefore true. I think that makes me a fundamentalist tonight. I asked him another question. What Bible do fundamentalists use? I, I thought, boy, I'm going to really get something here that I would not like. But it's surprising. What Bible do fundamentalists use? The internet said today millions of Christians turn to the King James or authorized version of the Bible. When they look for religious inspiration and guidance, it is the Bible of choice for fundamentalists Great figures of literature and numerous American presidents. So I ask the internet one more question. What is another word for fundamentalist? Boy, this is something. The word unbending. <laughs> unbending. Extremist is said. Fanaticism. I want to tell you tonight, I claim guilty to all of the above tonight. I'm telling you without apology, I'm telling you tonight without hesitation, go ahead and put a label on me, chalk it up, write it down, mark it, say what you will. I'm telling you tonight, by the grace of God, I'm still a fundamentalist and I will remain a fundamentalist until I die tonight. I hope it gets in the heart of every young person here. I hope you can look that contemporary crowd. I hope you can look that convention crowd in the face. I hope you can look that crowd in the face that's denied the inspiration and the preservation of the scripture. They've denied the convictions and the standards and the fundamentals that we believe in tonight. I hope you can look them in the face and say without hesitation, without apology, I am a fundamentalist tonight. 
of hell. Some major beliefs of fundamentalism is the virgin birth. One God and the Trinity. Inspiration and preservation of scriptures. The necessity of the cross. The blood and salvation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the rapture. The premillennial return. The second coming of Christ. Uh, these are fundamentals of the faith. Uh, morality and decency. Uh, my friend in holiness. Uh, for God is holy tonight. These are fundamentals that ought to unite us. The world would like to get rid of us tonight. We've been pegged, we've been labeled, we've been made fun of. You know why? Because we won't bend. We won't bow. We won't budge. The world despises us. The liberals attack us. The devil hates us. Oh, but the Lord blesses us. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, I'm more satisfied at being an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, 1611, a King James, a thank God, mission-minded, soul-winning, door-knocking, amen. Listen, holy living, clean living, straight preaching. My friend of the whole council, I'm more satisfied at being that tonight than I ever have been in all my life. I want to tell you something tonight. It works. And I want to give you tonight four little things from our text on why I'm still a fundamentalist. Number one, real simple tonight and I'll be through. Number one, because it's scriptural. The word fundamentalist, fundamentalist was coined in, the, in 1920. But the truth is, uh, being a fundamentalist, the truth of it has always been about we believe the Bible. We believe the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, and so that makes us fundamentalists tonight. And when I look at these things that I've read to you, one body, one spirit, one hope of, our call, uh, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, I want to tell you tonight, every one of those things are scriptural. Cannot we are agree on that tonight? I'm telling you tonight as a fundamentalist, I, I believe every word of this Bible, don't you? I believe it's precepts. I, I believe it's principles. I believe it's promises. I, I believe it's parable, I, parables. I believe it's purity. I believe it's perfection. I believe this book is perfect tonight. I believe it's power. Amen? I'm telling you the King James Bible has got power tonight. It's got power to save a sinner like it did this morning and like it did last Sunday morning. You say, Brother Gravely, why? Are you a fundamentalist after 30-something years? I want to tell you why. Because it's scriptural, amen. I am bothered by people today that are so quick to change what they have supposedly held on to for decades. And then they throw it away as if it is nothing. I'm telling you, there are things tonight that are not open for debate. Can I get an amen right there? Brother, I'm telling you, I would not waste my time debating whether or not this book is inerrant, infallible, inspired, preserved. I wouldn't go to a debate. I wouldn't get on a social media debate. I'm telling you, I wouldn't waste my breath. You know why? Because when you're right, you don't have to defend yourself. And it's not so much that I'm right. It's just that this is right. Amen? I'm telling you, this book has always been right. And these bunch of Johnny-come-latelys that have come along and put a question 
question mark on the King James Bible. I don't care if they got 14 degrees hanging on the wall. I'm telling you, they're just intellectual idiots if they don't believe the Bible. Amen. I'm telling you, this old black back book tonight, it's brought revival to the shores of America. It has brought men out of the lowest of ditches and hell holes of this world. It has, my friend, built homes and saved marriages. It's delivered souls. It has built churches. It has helped us win wars. It has guided presidents. It has guided politicians. It has guided preachers. It's picked us up out of the hardest places of life. It has saw us through the deepest valleys. And I believe the Bible tonight. I feel sorry for men like Lester Roloff and Harold B. Seitler and Oliver B. Green and Lee Robertson and Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody. I feel sorry for those poor old souls that they couldn't have figured out all the things that these men and preachers today have come along and supposedly they have been enlightened more than those people have. They are right and these men of God, these soldiers of the cross that have really done more in their lifetime than these, uh, listen, ones that want to scoff and question and look so smart. Well, they would never do in 10 lifetimes for God what those names that I've just mentioned to you have done in one lifetime. You know why? Because God used them because they took the Bible at face value and they took the word of God and believed the Bible I'm going to tell you why men are questioning this book in this hour. It's because they never believed it to begin with the first place. Uh, but I'm telling you, if this book saved your soul from hell, if it brought you out of the pit of sin, uh, you won't question this Bible, amen. I don't need an NIV or an RSV or an ASV or any other kind of perversion tonight. I'm telling you, this old book, uh, it's done while I'm living uh, and it'll do when I'm dying tonight. Uh, it's good enough. Uh, oh, time religion is good enough for me tonight I believe every word of it don't you and I believe what the Bible says whether I understand it or not I believe it don't you tonight you need to take God's word and you need to be a fundamentalist when it comes to this book don't you let somebody come along don't you read somebody that, that says they've got it all figured out, you know, but they question. I, I've said it before, but I, I was reading a commentary, and I've got some commentaries that, uh, listen, they, they don't, uh, they don't, they're not King James 100. But I'll tell you what, I don't like it when they correct the Bible. You know what I do? I take a Sharpie and mark it out. That's right. I was reading uh, uh, probably a couple years ago and one writer, uh, he wrote a really good book, uh, a commentary on one of the books of the Bible. It was a great commentary, but, but for whatever reason, I don't ever read the appendix in a book, but I just flipped over and started reading the appendix of that book. You know what he did? He spent that whole time telling why that he used the King James Bible, but he really didn't believe the King James Bible uh, was the Word of God. You know what I did? I didn't want to burn the book because I spent $17 on it, amen, and uh, it was 
a good book. So I just took a pair of scissors uh, and I just cut every bit of that appendix out, amen, and wrote a little note in the back of it said, if you buy this book anywhere else, uh, don't read the appendix, amen. I'm just telling you, friend, uh, if you believe the Bible tonight, you need to stand on the Bible, amen. You need to stand for what the Bible stands for. You need to be strong in your conviction about the word of God. Be a fundamentalist about this Bible tonight. It's scriptural. You know, they're questioning things that I never thought people would question. Like should Christians drink alcohol? How crazy has this liberal world gone? Whether or not Christians should tithe. I had, had a pastor or had a preacher say something to me just today about that. Asked a question. Said, do you believe in, in tithing? I said, well, of course I do. In fact... This church believes in tithing. Amen. The deacons believe in tithing. We won't support a missionary or an evangelist that don't believe in tithing. Can I get an amen right there? The tithe is the Lord's. Now, some of these uh, knotheads today would say something like, well, uh, you know, I I just believe in grace giving. (laughs) You know, I won't even go there. Tithing was before the law. The tithe is and always has been the Lord's. And then they would ask the question, is there a curse if you don't tithe? That's simple. Go 30 days and don't do it. See how your life goes. You'll come to the conclusion there's a curse if you don't tithe. Am I right about it tonight? Just try it. I mean, I don't recommend it, but if you really believe it, just go 30 days and and don't tithe and and see how your life goes, amen? I guarantee you God's going to get that 10% somewhere, some way, and he'll let you know when he gets it, amen? I'm just simply saying tonight, you got to believe some things. you got to know what you believe about tithing. Hey, I believe in the local church. That's a fundamental, amen? I'm telling you, when you get saved, you get baptized, and you join a local church, and you become a part of that local church uh, and you work and you serve in that local church. Is that the truth tonight? I'm just telling you that's a fundamental of the faith. Uh, uh, listen, you don't hobnob around anywhere and everywhere you want to go. Uh, I'm telling you, you got to be somewhere uh, and get someplace and have some longevity in church membership uh, and stay with the church and stay with the man of God and stay with the word of God. I'm telling you, you got to have some fundamentals when it comes to the church. Brother Grant said it tonight. Church is the best thing that ever happened to us after we got saved. It's scriptural tonight. That's why I'm a fundamentalist. And then not only is it scriptural, but it's stable tonight. You know the things in this text are never going to change. They're never going to move. One Lord always has been, always will be. Christ only has one bride. Amen. Amen. Always has been, always will be. There's one faith tonight. When we talk about the faith tonight, there's one faith. There's not five different ways to heaven. There's just one faith tonight. I'm telling you, that's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Calvary. Oh, listen, there's one hope of our calling tonight. There's one God. There's no such thing as Mother Nature tonight. There's nothing, no such thing as Father of creation as the world would like to say it tonight. I'm telling you, there's one God. And my friend, that God created everything. Well, 
listen, we reject the, the theory. And should I say uh, the devilish teaching of evolution, it takes more faith to believe something that dumb tonight as it does to take the cre- believe the creation account. This world was created in seven days uh, and God stepped out on nothing and spoke everything into existence tonight. I have no problem believing that. I'm not going to question that. Uh, listen, we've got to teach that to our children. Evolution is a lie that's hatched out of the belly of hell, that's indoctrination that they're trying to pump in the minds of another generation for just one reason. They don't want you to believe that there's a higher power because if you believe there's a higher power, then you know there's an accountability and they don't like to retain God in their knowledge. And so they want to teach you that everything just exploded. And that's how you got here. (laughs) I mean, I've seen some things that look like an explosion. But tonight, that's a fundamental. One God, one Father. Oh, tonight, one baptism of the Spirit into the body of Christ. One confession baptism tonight. We get baptized. It is a public uh, profession of our following our salvation. Uh, listen, it's not our sins do not get washed away where I come from. Uh, there's some churches back home. They believe that you go to the altar and you get saved, but then you get baptized. I remember one time going down uh, to the uh, creek there at Rock Creek and we had a baptism and a man, he had got saved and, and he got down there to the creek and said, boy, I can't wait to, uh, to get in that water. And uh, he said, Get, you know, get it all washed away. Well, I was like 15 years old. I didn't know a whole lot. I said, well, are you going to get washed away? And uh, he said, my sins. I couldn't defend it at that point, but I knew it wasn't right. I thought, man, that's Rock Creek. If you know Rock Creek, you ain't getting nothing washed away in Rock Creek. <laughs> You'll come out dirtier than you was when you went in. Amen. It's like the Jordan River. But you know what? He had been, he had been taught at just somewhere along the way. But we don't believe that tonight because well, you know why? The Bible doesn't teach that. Amen. <laughs> Baptism doesn't wash your sins away. Uh, I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus Christ uh, is what washes our sins away. But when we're saved, uh, we're baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, and then thank God we have a public baptism that proves our confession and that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. But we believe that tonight and that's a fundamental isn't it tonight and it's scriptural and it's stable you know why you need to be dogmatic about what the Bible says and what you believe because it never changes so why should you change tonight we don't need to change what we believe about dressing right amen and holiness and morality and decency no, we're, we're not getting rid of the pulpit and the preacher's not going to come in here with a t-shirt on and, and a pair of cut up jeans and, and sneakers and, and we're not going to, listen, turn the lights down low and paint the ceiling a different color. We're not bringing a rock band in here. Somebody say it, man. We're not getting, no, we're going to keep church the way it's always been. Now they want to attack it and they want to say, well, that's not the way it was a hundred years ago or 200 years ago. 
I'm going to tell you it was the same way. You say, what do you mean? I mean, the fundamental of it was right. They sing songs that glorified God. They came decent and order, and they worshiped God reverently. That's what that means tonight. Brother, those fundamentals, we're going to cling to them. We're going to hold to them. We're going to stay the same. You know why? Because they don't change, and neither should we. If your children, and God help if they do, if they change, don't you change. If you're a true fundamentalist, you won't change. You can love them and pray for them and pray that they, but you know the only hope of them ever getting right with God is if you don't change. You can't show me one parent tonight that left a fundamental church and went to a church that believed anything goes with their children, that their children ever got better, or they ever got right, or that they ever came back. Tonight, if you just stay where you've always been, you be stable. Have you noticed something about these churches? As quick as they come up, they go down many times. They don't grow, they swell. And when the, you can only swell so long, and guess what? You'll burst. And I believe that in these last days, there's people that they're not going to go to a fundamentalist church. They're not going somewhere where, it's, where we're not willing to budge. We're not win, willing to bow. We're not willing to bend. They're not going to go to church, but I'll tell you what, they'll know what's real. And somewhere's along life's way when hard times come. They're going to look for somebody that's real. You know who that needs to be, mom and dad? It needs to be you. It needs to be you because you did not change. You see tonight, the fundamentals, the reason I'm a fundamentalist is because it's scriptural, because it's stable. And then I would say tonight, because it's sensible. Do you know that these things make sense, don't they? One body, one spirit, one Lord, one hope of our calling, one faith, one, one baptism, one God, one Father. Does that make sense tonight? It does, doesn't it? But can I tell you, you go to a lot of places today where that... They want to blend everything and let everything be, you know, where they've polled the, the congregation. They want to give the people. That's a Laodicean church ruled by the people. Amen. God never intended the people to rule. And that includes the pastor tonight. And listen, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's to rule the church. And the Word of God is to rule the church tonight. But you go to a place like that where anything goes and everything is okay. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of confusion. Things don't make sense. Not too long ago, a preacher that preached in this pulpit many times was a great man of God, reached out to me just through social media. Hadn't saw him in a number of years. And then when I saw the church that he was pastoring, and I'm not being critical, I'm just being honest, it, it blew my mind. Because I remember when he preached it just right down the line. And when he stood strong, and I remember when someone in his family, a dear child, was going through a great trial. And I'm talking about a trial that I don't know if I would have been where he was. I don't know if I could have made it through what he made it through. And I watched that man for two years go through a trial, not knowing if his own child would live or not. And through that trial, 
I watched churches, a church, tear him and his family apart, abuse and misuse him. And I watched that man while his daughter was suffering and while the church was, was, was mistreating. Finally, he left. But I watched him stay true to what he believed. And for years, I'm going to be honest with you, had great respect for him. I don't know what happened in his life. I, I don't know what the circumstances was that, that changed him. But here is a man that as far as I was concerned, he stood tall and he stood true. And he would be that way until he died in such a time like that. And then I, I see him now and I see how that he, he's changed from daylight to dark and doesn't even use the King James Bible and doesn't even have a... Now they have a rock band rather than have a choir. And, and I thought to myself, I know he was a man of God and I know he was faithful and I know he was true and it's a reminder that tonight if you and I if we don't cling tight to the fundamentals of what we believe in this book we can so easily be deceived and tempted oh that's why the Bible says buy the truth and sell it not praise God you believe it and you stand on it you know why because it makes sense tonight amen you watch people when they backslide. You get away from God. I'll tell you what happens. You start, you listen, you need to read your Bible every day. Every day. Read your Bible. Get you that Alexander Scorby app. Turn it wide open. And read it every day. And we'll tell you why you need to read it. Because it puts a sound mind in you. You don't read your Bible every day. Here's what will happen. Somebody will come along and drop something in your mind and it will sound good. And you'll say, well, that, that's, you know, that, now that makes sense. The only problem is it may not line up with that book. And reading the Bible keeps a sound mind. I'm going to tell you, even your pastor t- tonight, if I get away from that book, there is no telling what kind of crazy decisions that I would make tonight. And I hate to have to confess it, but I'm telling you, that's the way this flesh is tonight. The Bible makes sense, doesn't it? Now, it don't make sense to the world. It don't make sense to the liberals. But I'll tell you, if you live in it and you stay in it, I'm telling you, it makes more sense than any newspaper rolling off the press tonight. This Bible gives you a sound mind. It'll help you make the right decision at the right time. I'm telling you, it'll be exactly what you need when you've got to make a decision at a pivotal point. God will hang a verse of Scripture right there. He'll bring something you read to your mind that maybe a week or a month or six months ago, you didn't even think you was a really taking it in. You didn't really think it made any difference. Oh, but God gave it to you right when you needed it. It's sensible. And then I'll say this in closing tonight. Why I'm a fundamentalist is because it's sensible. It's stable. It's scriptural. But then it's spiritual. I'm going to tell you the fundamentals of the faith are spiritual tonight. What we believe tonight, we believe it because God said it. And God knows what's best, doesn't he? And you know, I, I've watched men down through the years. I tread lightly on what I'm about to tell you. But I watch men that, that have preached the Bible down through the years. And they start making statements like, well, I used to believe that, but, but not now. When I used to, boy, now I used to toe the line like that. 
And I tell you, you know, back in the 70s, but we're not living in the 70s anymore. You heard that? I'm going to tell you tonight, that's compromise. For if it was right then, it's right now. A man said, we were talking one day, and he said, you know, he said, have you ever questioned, have you ever questioned the way that we ought to dress? I said, no, sir, I really haven't. I said, I'm not saying that I'm, that I'm everything I ought to be, but I said, I, I just really hadn't. I, I remember when I got saved, the Holy Spirit, he dealt with me about some things in my life, and, and it, it's just never come back up. And uh, he said, well, I, he said, I, I've questioned some of those things. I said, well, if God ever told you then, he hadn't changed his mind about it. And in that conversation, he said, well, if, you know, he said, the thing was, he said, I, I read this book by this man, and the book was called Radical. That's enough to make me not want to read the book. And he said, in that book, he said, nobody really knows what Jesus would even be wearing if he was in this present day. He said, so all this preaching about these things, this is what the author was saying, all this preaching about these things, he said, he said, it's, he said it, we don't even know what Jesus would even be wearing if he was here. I said, oh, we do. Revelation chapter 1, John saw him. And John saw him in a future sense. And the Bible said that he had a garment to his ankles. It's what Jesus is wearing right now. It's what he's wearing when he's coming back. Half on his vesture and on his thigh. The Bible said he was clothed in a garment, as I quoted this morning, dipped in blood. Oh, we, we know what Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. He never changes. I promise you if Jesus came back today, he wouldn't be going down to the, the latest fashion store trying to figure out what's hip. Amen. And he is coming back. You know that. And he's not stopping by Walmart on his way when he comes. Amen. He's not going to come back and stop down at the mall and listen, uh, uh, try to be a cool dude when he comes back. No, no. Uh, he's never tried to fit into this world. Uh, he is out of this world. Uh, he's far beyond the fashion of this world. You say, Brother Gravely, why are you preaching all that? I'll tell you why I'm preaching that. Uh, because I'm tired of watching people leave uh, uh, good fundamental churches uh, and going somewhere where it's just a little bit looser and it's not quite so tight uh, because they're not so much accountability. Oh, you hear me tonight. If you love God, you hold to them fundamentals. Hey, mom and dad, don't you back up when your children get older. You stay the course. You talk the line. You keep it right. Amen. And you know, if you've changed, here's what you do. It's really easy. You just set your children down in the privacy of your home. And you be honest with them. And you say, now listen. Mom and dad made some mistakes right here. We'll say dad and mom. Don't say mom and dad. <laughs> dad and mom made some mistakes right here. And uh, we want to correct it. And you've not done anything wrong here, but we have. And we've got right with the Lord about it. And we've asked the Lord to help us. And so we need to fix this, and here's why. You know that'll do more for your children than anything. It'll let them know you're real. It'll teach them what to do when they do make a mistake. And it teaches them that you can always correct what you've done wrong. 
Both of our girls are sitting here tonight. And I've had to do that at times. I've had to say to them, you know, I was, I was wrong here. I'm sorry here. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you something. You'll get victory, parent, if you do that. Don't let it go unchecked. Stay the fundamentals tonight. I ask you this question in closing. Boy, I was going to preach 15 minutes, but it didn't happen, did it? I want to tell you tonight. I want to tell you tonight without apology and without arrogancy. I'm thankful and I'm so glad that when I got saved, I could have been anywhere. Brother Harris, I could have, just to be saved is wonderful. But I'm glad that when I got saved, it was a little storefront building. My preacher had graduated from Highland Park, from Tennessee Temple. He, he was from West Virginia, married a, a lady from Kentucky that they met at Tennessee Temple University. Brother Lee Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson had been the pastor. And he went to Chatsworth and he started a, he got a paper route and started a church, a little storefront building there on Highway 225 where, where, on, where it crosses the Chatsworth Highway. He started a church right there. And in that little storefront building, probably about 40 people on a Sunday morning, I walked out and got saved. And I tell you, I thank God that when I got saved, it wasn't a big old church. It wasn't a pretty church, but it was a fundamental church. And my pastor started from day one helping us, teaching us, telling us things because he cared. He said to me, he said, well, you need to get a haircut. I got a haircut and I came back. He said, you didn't get a good, a good one. You need to go get another one. I said, this week? He said, yes. Do you want me to go with you? I said, no. <laughs> he took me to 1 Corinthians 11. What about people who don't even believe that today and they say they're saved? Preachers I'm talking about. He took me to 1 He said, man, 1 Corinthians 11. He said, now it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And he said, what that means is you have a hairline, son. He said, so when you go get your hair cut, he said, get it off your collar and get it off your ears. And he said, come in here and look like, a, look like a young man. Don't look like a young lady. That's what he told me. And I thank God for that. I didn't get mad about that. He didn't. I don't tell you boys, don't you get, you know, get one of these mop haircuts. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to look at you while I'm saying it. I'm telling you, you, get you a haircut that looks clean and cut. It doesn't look like a weed eater got a hold of you. Amen. I'm telling you, get you a haircut. And don't get mad because as your pastor, I'm telling you that. I care about you. I don't want you falling into all this. I'm telling you, some of these haircuts, they, they make me, they look like a bunch of queers. Is that right? If I was a, if I had some of you, listen, you want to get a young lady that, that, that's a real young lady, you get a, you get a young man's haircut. Is that right tonight? And uh, it's just true. I'm not being mean when I say that. I tell you, that's fundamentalism. That's, that's not bending is what that is. That's keeping it right. And then he went on visitation one day. I had a can of skull. Thomas had a can of skull in my back pocket. On visitation. And 
we got in the car and he said, it's, uh, what's in your back pocket? I said, Copenhagen. And he, and he said, can I see that? I thought he was going to get a dip. I thought he was. I really did. <laughs> and I'm being honest with you. I didn't, I didn't care. He was the preacher. I'd give him a dip of Copenhagen, you know. <laughs> Try to be a blessing to him, you know. <laughs> I didn't want him getting no three-finger dip because, I mean, it was too much, but. We're going down the road, and he got that can. You know what he did? He tossed it out the window. Threw. I mean, $3.25, he threw it out the window. And he said, son, you can't witness to people about Jesus with that stuff in your mouth. He said, it's nasty. He said, quit. You know, I had only been saved about probably about six, seven weeks. And I'm glad religion hadn't got a hold of me because I just felt like, well, he's the man of God. And if the pastor said to quit dipping, I don't want to be in trouble with God. That's, how I, that's what I thought. I didn't say, show me chapter and verse. He could have, the principal. I just said, well, I'm done tonight. And you know, I thank God. I'm glad I grew up in that. I tell you, all these people running around saying they've been mistreated and abused. I'm telling you, they, they don't know the same God I know tonight. I'm telling you, thank God for fundamental churches. You just keep it right tonight. That's just two things. But I'm telling you, listen, I mean, after I got saved, I remember him saying, now, do you go to the movies? I'm not asking you. but Well, no, do you go to the movies? Okay, that's good. You're Sunday school teacher, so I'm glad. But he said to me, he said, do you go to the movies? And I said, uh, yes. He said, don't do that no more. He said, somebody sees you going in there. Said, he said, I, here's what he said. He said, I don't care if you're watching 101 Dalmatians. I was 13 years old. I wouldn't have been caught dead at the movies <laughs> watching 101 Dalmatians. He said, but if you go in there and watch that, he said, they don't know what you're watching when you walk in the movie house. He said, what if you try to witness to them? And they said, that's what he told me. It's quiet in here tonight, ain't it? That's fundamentalism. And I, I will tell you, I, I, don't think, I don't think Brother Bowley was being mean to me one bit. I think he was trying to watch out for me. And he knew that it was his responsibility to try to help guide. That's what you Sunday school teachers trying to do. That's what your pastor, your pastor's wife tries to do. Don't ever get mad at somebody trying to help you down life's road. And hey, don't you listen to this. I'm going to tell you, stay off all these podcasts and all these. I'm telling you, it's just infected. I mean, everybody's got one today, don't they? Just stay away from all that mess. You say, what am I going to do? Get in that right there. Stay under preaching. And I'm sorry I preached an hour tonight. I'll tell you what, I won't do that probably not next Sunday, okay? But let's stand tonight. I didn't mean to. But I had a lot, too much liberty. But I'll tell you tonight, are you a fundamentalist? It's important. Tonight, as our heads are about eyes are closed, don't waver on anything that God has spoke to you about. You stay with it. 
Don't back up. And if you have, it's not the end of the world. God's merciful. You just ask Him to forgive you. And you fix it. And you go on. And tonight, stay with it. Stay true. Father, bless the invitation. Have your way. As Brother Sam sings, if you need the cup, would you come?